Hello, and thank you for joining us for Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, Season 3, Episode 2, Stella. If this is your first time listening to Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, you might want to go back and start at Season 1, Episode 1, The Egg, so that you can get the full story. My name is Marin Langdon Spillane, and today we are thrilled to welcome back special guest artist Shirley Reed. Please check the show notes for links to Shirley's amazing artwork. Before we get started, I want to take a quick moment to thank our amazing Patreon family. Fad Pack is brought to you by Dirt Road Theater, a small local theater company in Northfield, Vermont, and your support on Patreon goes such a long way towards making this story possible. It was so wonderful to see some of your faces and hear your thoughts during our live Zoom shows. So, a very special thank you to Ivy from Toronto. Heather and Margot from Vancouver, Hannah from Washington, Lucy from Massachusetts, Flora from Greater Manchester, United Kingdom, Lucy and Abe from Vermont, Elaine and Richard from Vermont, Levi, Dallas, and Ruby from Iowa, Henrik from Washington, and Cameron. If you're a part of our Patreon family and you didn't hear your name, don't worry, we'll be sending a thank you shout out your way in one of the upcoming episodes. We love to see things you've created that are inspired by Fad Pack. We've seen costumes and Lego creatures, clay sculptures, and stuffed animal impersonators, as well as many, many gorgeous drawings and paintings. So we encourage all of you listeners to create anything that you're inspired to while listening. Then, if you'd like, you can share your creation with us on our Facebook page or email it to us at PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. And now, let us begin Season 3, Episode 2 of Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, Stella. Previously on Fad Pack. Beatrice, her three youngest draglings, Tom, Megan, Carnelian, and Furball, have left the island of Olean and set out to find Beatrice's missing daughter and Smudge's egg twin, Stella. They arrive at the Blasted Lands, home of the rock giants, and are greeted by Narak, a friendly giant who was not at all what they expected. He promises to take them to Stella. Edwin was the first in the line that followed Narak the giant as he moved shore-footedly across the jagged, uneven ground toward the base of one of the steep, ragged-looking mountains of rock. Edwin was very excited. Giants. She had always been so curious about the rest of the world, so eager to meet other creatures that she had only ever heard about. There was so much life out there, she thought. So much heart. So many creatures and their cultures all just living out their lives in patterns and routines that looked completely different from her own. How could she ever have just stayed on their mountain, not knowing that all of these worlds were out there? Edwin felt her heart race as Narak halted in front of the mountain wall. She knew that this quest was dangerous, and she knew that establishing diplomatic relations was a delicate thing. After all, she was getting quite experienced. But she also felt a thrill of excitement every time she met someone new, was welcomed into another world. The fairies, the ponies, the mermaids, the sea cucumbers. And now this. Giants. And everything, everyone, was completely different, but somehow better than she imagined it. 
She watched eagerly as Narak ran his hand carefully along the rock in a circular pattern, then gave the spot in the center of the circle a gentle push. Everyone gasped as the rock began to grind and shift, and an opening appeared wide enough for even Beatrice to pass through. This way, Narak said, gesturing over his shoulder before disappearing into the opening. He was immediately lost from sight. Edwin paused and looked back at her mother. Mom? Beatrice nodded. Let's go, she said. Edwin stepped carefully forward into the darkness and entered what seemed to be a vast tunnel, not nearly as cramped as she had feared. Enough light came from the opening that she could see Narak ahead, walking confidently along the cool, rocky floors. It's just a little ways, come on, he called to them. Edwin felt her thrills of excitement increase. Of course she was excited to see her sister, to finally meet this absent member of her family. Of course she was. But oh, she was excited to see the giants too, to see what their world was like. Would it be all rocky and scary and smoky like the outside? Why would they choose to live here, in these blasted lands? How many giants were there, and what did they eat? And Edwin's mind was racing. After what felt like only a few minutes, the tunnel opened up and dim light poured across their path. Narak led them out of the tunnel and up into the cool, fresh air, and Edwin realized that they had just walked under the mountain. And what was on the other side? Edwin gasped. Oh, my stars, it's so beautiful, she said. They were on the shores of the ocean, and directly across the water in front of them was a lush green island, completely hidden from view by the ring of active volcanoes all around it. It was close enough that Edwin knew she could fly to it in a few minutes, but far enough away that all she could see was a blur of brilliant green, made all the more stunning by the contrast of the jagged black outcroppings of the blasted islands surrounding it. "'Is that where you live? How do you get there?' she breathed. "'Well, that's part of where we live,' said Narak, following Edwin's gaze to the island. "'But the real magic happens underground. "'You can access the island and many other points in these parts from our tunnel system. "'Follow me!' Narak led them along the shore until they reached another opening in the rocky wall of the mountain behind them. This time, when they went inside, the tunnel was lit by torches situated in ornately carved brackets along the walls. As they walked, Edwin began to hear noises— the sounds of distant voices, the clanking of metal against metal, a faint strain of music being played on an instrument she didn't recognize. The tunnel sloped down, and Edwin could hear Smudge's claws scrabbling behind her. Are you excited to meet Stella, Smudgy? She whispered to her brother. Smudge's eyes gleamed in the dim light, and he wiggled his body, growling low in his throat. She knew he was. What must Smudge be feeling? Smudge, who had never known his very own egg twin. After a few moments of careful maneuvering down the steeply sloping tunnel floor, the noise increased, and without warning, they emerged from the tunnel and into... into... Edwin looked up. She had never seen anything like this in her entire life. They were at the base of a huge cavern whose walls went up and up high above them. The walls were ringed with different levels, each one with doorways leading off of it deeper into the mountain. There were, Edwin swiftly counted, eight altogether, with the one highest up being far enough above her that she could barely make it out. On all of these levels was activity, bustling energy, and on the ground floor where they stood, spread out across the vast space, was more activity than Edwin ever remembered seeing in one place. 
Dozens of giants moved busily about, calling to each other, carrying buckets of things, pushing wheelbarrows of things, spreading things out on tables, attaching things to other things. Oh, what were all these things? There seemed to be many stations where things were being built, being carved, being hammered and chiseled and hewn. Everywhere she looked, someone was making something. The whole place was lit cheerfully by torches and candles, and the energy, busy as it was, felt warm and friendly. Edwin had never been inside a beehive, <laughs> obviously she was way too big, but somehow that was what this place reminded her of. She looked around and saw pulley systems everywhere, shivering platforms on ropes carrying giants and materials from one level to the next. Suddenly, there was a clattering sound, and she saw a cart on wheels being propelled steadily along a track behind her. As she watched, three giants inside the cart slid by and snaked along the track, disappearing into the depths of the cavernous space. The giants looked behind them as they passed, clearly surprised to see dragons and humans in their midst. Edwin knew this look, and she tried to put on her friendliest and most diplomatic face to put them at ease. Welcome to Rockstrom, the hub of our civilization. It is here that we build, here that we create. Our dwellings are above... Here, Narak gestured to the floors, high above their heads. And beyond. Here, to the depths of the main cavern, which was so vast that Edwin couldn't see its edges. Ah, sighed Carnelian. Obsidian, aluminum, copper, gold, diamonds. Mm, I like it here. Can you feel it, Beatrice? The rocks, the crystals, the power... Carnelian eyed Beatrice with a dangerous glint in their eye. Yes, I can feel it, replied Beatrice, a little uncomfortably. I don't feel anything. Do you feel anything? Lyle asked Edwin, but she was too distracted to answer. So how do you get to that pretty island? Edwin asked, craning her neck as she tried to take in everything at once. <laughs> More tunnels, grinned Narak. It's a bit of a trek, but I can take you there later if you like. All around them, giants were pausing in their work to stare at the newcomers. Edwin liked them all already. Although they were curious, and some of them maybe even a little uneasy, she could detect no suspicion or aggression in their manner. Edwin knew those emotions well, and was relieved to see that the giants seemed so friendly. Though they were all roughly Narak's height, coming up to about Tom and Megan's waists, they were as varied as dragons were, all different skin colors, hair colors, body shapes, and energies. Edwin caught sight of a handful of children playing by one workstation, hiding underneath a vast stone table and popping out at intervals to pelt each other with small pebbles. These children were among the first to halt their activities and approach Narak, and soon a small semicircle had formed around them. Edwin could feel her mother's body stiffen and she looked up at her curiously. Beatrice looked nervous, and Edwin knew she was feeling worried about a new group of creatures, and probably had lots of questions about how they would feel about dragons and if they would be nice to them or not. Edwin thought that maybe her mother couldn't sense their friendliness like she could, and so she smiled reassuringly up at Beatrice. I bring visitors, Narak said, addressing the circle of curious faces around them. These dragons have come to claim our little white devil. That there is the devil's mama, and those are her kindlings. They and their human companions have been looking the world over for her, it seems. <laughs> Don't worry, they're friendly. Are you sure, Narak? Another giant drew nearer, placing a friendly arm around Narak's shoulders. I'm sure, replied Narak, linking his arm around the other's neck and tousling her hair playfully. <laughs> Look at the eyes on that one, he added, pointing to Edwin, who beamed. I'm Liesel, said the other giant, this big oaf's kindling, ah, uh, sister. 
She grinned around at the dragons before looking at Edwin. And you do have very friendly eyes. Mom, do I have friendly eyes? Whispered Lyle. But Beatrice was too focused to respond. Thank you, exclaimed Edwin. So do you, actually. Liesel did have very friendly eyes. She shared her brother's tousled brown curly hair and warm eyes, but she was just a touch taller and slighter than he was. Edwin liked their clothing, too. It was simple but looked clean and sturdy, and all of it in dark browns and blacks. It's so nice to meet you, Liesel. I am Edwin, and this is my mother, Beatrice. This is one of my best human friends, Tom. My other best human friend is named Talora, but that's a long story. Maybe I'll tell you later. My other human friend, Megan. Megan, sorry, maybe someday you'll also be one of my best human friends, but I don't know you very well yet, even though I do like you so, so much. And that fairy there is Carnelian Diamond Wing of the Crystal Fairies. Pleasure. Yep, and that's Furball, and that's Lyle. He's my egg twin brother, and that's... Um, hey, Mom? Where's Smudge? Beatrice whipped her head around. I don't see him. Uh-oh, Mom, said Lyle. He pulled a smudgy. Beatrice sighed deeply. Of course, she muttered. Of course he did. Hey, parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. Smudge was exploring. His sister was here somewhere. It was his job to find her, and he was definitely not going to wait for the others to do all the talking that they liked to do before he explored this very smoky, rocky, dark new place. He growled in his throat as he moved along a dark passageway, puffing out small clouds of smoke so that he could see them float in the pretty light from the torches in the wall before disappearing. He used to feel sad when his smoke disappeared, but now he knew he could just make more, and it was fun to do that. His mother had been clear. He was supposed to find Stella. Stella, he whispered to himself just to try it out. Felt nice. He understood that Stella was his egg twin, the way Lyle was Edwin's and Petra was Azriel's, but he didn't really understand what it meant, what it would feel like. He knew he wanted to find her, He knew it would make his mother happy, and would it make Smudge happy too? He didn't know that yet, but he thought maybe it would. It would be fun to have another dragling to play with, especially one that didn't blah 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 so much. Smudge continued his explorations, pausing to sniff interesting things, peer into interesting doorways. This part of the cave was very quiet, and while he felt a little sad to be leaving all of the exciting activity where his mother and siblings were... Something was drawing him along this tunnel. Smudge was glad he wasn't flying anymore. He had been so tired, but he also knew that he was strong, and he knew that his mother would never let anything bad or scary happen to him, not if she could help it. There was one time when she couldn't help it, when the unicorn hurt her, but that wasn't her fault, and even though it had been very scary, it was all okay now. Smudge had saved her. 
Smudge really didn't like that unicorn. Smudge really liked Furball, though, even though he had been kind of mean when they first met. And Smudge loved the ponies, though they were all so much fun to play with. But Smudge didn't like the fairies much. They said a lot of confusing things, and even though they did nice and fun stuff, sometimes they didn't like to play. They were too small. Smudge loved Tom, of course, and Talora. And the new human Megan seemed nice, but didn't sleep with Smudge like Talora had. But Smudge had caught Talora, so maybe that was why. Smudge thought maybe Megan needed to be pounced on a little bit more. He'd only done it a few times so far, and Tom and Talora really liked that. And Smudge also was thinking that he really liked the Giants. After all, that first one they met was really good at wrestling, and Smudge loved to wrestle. He was so good at it, in fact. Smudge stopped. All his thoughts stopped. His breathing even stopped for a minute. Everything became very quiet all around him. He was perfectly still, like a smudge turned to stone. He was staring straight ahead, and he couldn't stop staring because directly in front of him was himself, only cleaner, no, whiter, a small, white dragon. Smudge took a deep breath. Found Stella, he said quietly to himself. She had appeared out of nowhere. He hadn't seen her coming. She stood in the passageway in front of him, still as a statue, staring back at him. In some very strange way, Smudge felt like he was looking in a mirror. She was his size. She had little curls of smoke coming from her nose, too. Smudge realized he was smoking right at that minute. That happened sometimes when he was surprised or excited, and he was definitely both of those things now. And she had the same kind of horns on her head, and her wings were folded along her sides just like his were. Except Stella was white. All white. A pure white that seemed better than just white to Smudge. Like it was white, but secretly underneath it, all the colors were hiding. He felt like at any moment Stella's white would burst pink or orange or green or maybe even gold. She had gold streaks running along her, so maybe she would burst gold. Smudge looked at her eyes. They looked familiar to him, but they were also a little strange. Smudge took a small step backward. They were a little scary. She was a little scary. Why wasn't she moving? Smudge puffed more smoke and stared. Stella puffed more smoke and stared. Smudge knew then that, of course, there was only one thing to do. He leapt through the air, covering the distance between himself and his egg twin in an instant, aiming to tackle her with all of his force. Stella reacted immediately, launching herself upward just a split second before Smudge's body met hers and sent a small fireball directly into Smudge's face. How did she do that? And then the two of them collided in midair in a tangle of wings and claws. Smudge wasn't sure if she was playing or attacking, but sometimes he wasn't sure about that for himself, so it was okay. Stella roared at Smudge, poured smoke into his face, and then wrangled him onto the ground and pinned him there. This was impressive. Only Petra could still pin Smudge. Stella was scary. Smudge loved Stella. Smudge roared at Stella, poured smoke into her face, wriggled out from under her, and then leapt onto her back, trying to stay attached as she galloped in circles, knocking him into every rock jutting from the cavern walls. Eventually, she beat him off and tried to grab him with her legs, but he dodged, and Smudge tried to wrap a wing around Stella, but she swooped out of the way. She landed and howled, and Smudge loved that sound. That was a great and beautiful beautiful sound, and then galloped down the tunnel back the way Smudge had come. 
She stopped and looked over her shoulder at him, and he raced to join her, leaping onto her, and the two rolled down the passageway, a tangle of legs and claws and teeth and smoke and wings and growls and oh, thought Smudge, this is what it means to have an egg twin, and then before he knew it, they had tumbled right to the edge of something. Smudge paused and looked down. He could see his mother, Lyle, Edwin, and the humans standing below, talking to some of the giants. He saw his giant, Narak, and lots of others. He looked down on them all, panting, part of him pinned under Stella and part of her pinned under him. No one below had looked up yet. They hadn't seen them. Stella looked at Smudge. She hissed. He had never heard a dragon hiss. That was pretty great, too. Then, without warning, Stella jumped. She leapt off the edge and flew down to the floor below, landing just behind the crowd of giants. Smudge could leap, too, and he did. He aimed perfectly so that he landed smack on top of Stella. She howled, he howled, and they were locked together in a blur of white and black and smoke and fire. Really, how was she doing that? And tails and wings and Smudge was so, so happy. Don't worry, Mom, he'll come back. He always comes back, reassured Lyle as Beatrice began to pace anxiously. I'm not worried about Smudge, Lyle. I'm worried about the giants. He's like a wrecking ball. You know how he is. We just got here. I'd rather we wait at least an hour before he destroys something important. Lyle looked at Edwin. What's a wrecking ball? Edwin shook her head. I don't know, but it sounds like the kind of ball Smudge would definitely like to play with. Narak chuckled. Oh, we've discovered thanks to your little white one that there's not too much a little dragon can destroy here. We make things strong, and they're young still. Before further reassurances could be offered, a wild roar filled the room. Beatrice looked up, and the breath left her body. There, above her, silhouetted against the flickering torchlights all around and ringed in a gentle cloud of smoke, was Stella. Her small white body descended from above, and to Beatrice it seemed that she moved in slow motion, suspended above her, her eyes wild as she coasted downwards, her white gold wings spread wide. Beatrice's knees buckled, and she sank onto the floor. She had imagined this moment so many times. She had imagined rushing to her child, wrapping her in her wings, imagined comforting her, telling her that her mother was there, that it was all right, that she was safe. She had imagined how it would feel to know that all of her children were safe. And now, it was happening, and Beatrice couldn't move. She watched Stella land, and then she watched as Smudge, coming from nowhere, crashed on top of her, crushing her with a force and a howl that shook the floor. And then they were wrestling together. She felt as if she were dreaming. Megan broke from the group and ran to the draglings. Oh, Stella, Stella Star, you're here, you're here. Tom looked wide-eyed at Edwin and Lyle. Uh, did Megan just run headlong into the middle of a two-dragon wrestling match? They watched Megan as she dove into the fray between the two draglings and was promptly attacked by Stella, who batted her with both her front legs and then started butting her head against Megan's chest. Not to be outdone, Smudge pounced on top of her, and within seconds there was no sign of Megan beneath the two draglings. Oh yeah, said Lyle. Bold move, Megan. Very bold. Beatrice watched Megan and Stella, and her eyes filled with tears. She couldn't tell what she was feeling, but it was clear from the way Megan wrapped her arms around Stella's neck as she squirmed her way free from the pile, and the casual, proprietary way Stella swatted Megan's body to and fro, that the two of them had a deep sense of comfort with each other. Mom? said Edwin breathlessly. Is it her? Is it really her? Beatrice swallowed and nodded. Tom was looking at her carefully. 
He placed a hand on her shoulder, and Beatrice felt a rush of gratitude toward him for this small gesture. She's incredible, Beatrice, he said softly. She is, Beatrice said, finally finding her voice. Uh, Mom, should we, like, introduce ourselves? Asked Lyle. Okay, do you think I should introduce myself as Lyle or Slog? I mean, I don't want to confuse her, you know? Megan had paused in her wrestling of Stella and looked up at the other dragons, her face rosy and happy, her hair in a halo of tangles around her head. Oh, she said, taking in the faces of Beatrice, Edwin, and Lyle. Oh, Stella, I have someone to introduce you to. Stella froze and for the first time took in the other dragons in the room. Everyone had fallen silent. A path cleared between Stella and Smudge and the others. Beatrice tried to shakily raise herself to her feet. Stella tilted her head to one side and regarded her mother. Beatrice couldn't read her expression. She was so like Smudge, and so unlike him, all at once. She could feel her baby energy, her innocence and exuberance, but there was something else radiating from her, some kind of wildness, an edge, that made her feel to Beatrice as if she were somehow older than Smudge. Her eyes pierced her mother's, and Beatrice felt herself shiver slightly. She looked over her youngest daughter's body, her smooth white scales, her powerful wings edged in gold, her dark, sharply curving horns. She was so dear to Beatrice. She was so dear. She wanted nothing more than to race to this child, this baby, her baby, her missing egg, her Stella, and wrap her in her arms. But something in Stella's face stopped her. Beatrice took a deep breath. Stella, she said. Stella, I'm Beatrice. I'm your mother. Stella tilted her head even further to one side and snorted. Smudge eyed her for a moment and then galloped over to Beatrice, who was happy to have him standing next to her in this moment. This is your brother, Lyle, said Beatrice, gesturing to Lyle. Well, I guess Slog is out the window now, Lyle muttered under his breath. And your sister, Edwin? Oh my gosh, hi. Hi, Stella. I am your sister. You are my sister. Oh my gosh, wow, wow, wow. And this is your egg twin smudge, who I take it you have already met. Stella was frozen, looking steadily at them all. Beatrice glanced at Megan. Does she speak at all, yet? Megan shook her head. No, nothing yet. Not that I know of. Beatrice took another steadying breath and took a step towards Stella. Stella snorted and tossed her head, smoke pouring more thickly from her nostrils. She's nervous, said Megan. I can tell that she is nervous. Thank you, said Beatrice crisply. Well, maybe you should just stay there for a moment until she's adjusted, Megan suggested tentatively. Without meaning to, Beatrice roared in frustration. Stop telling me what to do! You are a human and I am her mother! At the sound of Beatrice's roar and raised voice, Stella reared backward and darted off, disappearing into one of the side tunnels. Ugh! Beatrice roared again and sank back down, her sides heaving. I'm sorry, Megan. No, I'm sorry, Beatrice. I know this must be a lot. Narak looked around at all of the tense faces, then back to his sister. Well, Liesel, what do you say we show them a little giant hospitality, eh? Excellent plan, Narak, said Liesel cheerfully. Follow me, you lot. I'll take you to a place where you can get more comfortable. We'll see what kind of food we can rustle up. I hope you like fish. Oh, yes, we do very much. Thank you, said Edwin, eagerly following Liesel as she led the way off the main chamber and along another corridor. Oh, my gosh. Wow, you even have flowers growing down here. 
What? Where? said Carnelian urgently, and as their gaze fell upon the flower growing from a narrow cranny in the rock wall, their eyes widened in shock, then narrowed with rage. Is something wrong? Beatrice asked. Carnelian extended their arm and pointed. That. That is very wrong. Beatrice squinted and followed Carnelian's gaze. The flower was vibrantly colored pinks and purples in a swirling burst of color against the dark of the rock. A flower? Beatrice asked. Before Carnelian could respond, a low rumbling sound began beneath their feet. Suddenly, a small group of giants burst into the room, running frantically towards Narak and Liesel. Eruption coming, one of them gasped. Big one. All right, all right, said Narak. Get everyone to the shelter, secure the big equipment. You know the drill. What? His voice trailed off as he looked into the panicked faces of the other giants. What is it? The giant shook his head. It's not like the other times. This is bigger. Lava already breaching the lower chambers, and... He was interrupted by a tremendous rumble, and the floor around them shook violently. Rocks began to tumble down the walls and hit the floor with hard thumps. This isn't like the other times, the giant repeated. This is something different. It's coming from somewhere else. From the island. Narak and Liesel looked at each other, then around them at the trembling walls. The rumbling was intensifying, and they could hear screams and shouts echoing down the halls. Well, that's not possible. She's been dormant for a thousand years, replied Narak in alarm. Carnelian flew swiftly up to the spot where the flower emerged from the wall. Oh, Narak, a giant such as yourself should know everything is possible. And in one swift, ferocious movement, they yanked the flower from the wall. Beatrice watched as the flower hit the floor of the cave and burst into flame, leaving a faint black scorch mark behind. A sickly sweet stench filled the air. Carnelian swept down and studied the scorch mark for a moment. Then they raised their gaze to Beatrice. They are here. They've followed us. Hello again. If you'd like to know what happens next, please join us for Episode 3, Carnelian. If you have any questions, comments, or artwork you'd like to share, please email PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. Petra handles all of our communication for us, and she... Huh. You know what? I actually haven't heard from Petra for a while. I'm sure it's fine. You should feel free to send anything to Petra anyway. Worst case scenario, Azrael will help us out. If you're enjoying Fad Pack, there are a few simple and fun ways to support the show. If you can leave a rating or a review on the device that you're listening from, go for it. We would love that. This is a great way to help others find the show, and it really means so much to us. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is a proud member of Kids Listen, a grassroots organization of advocates for high-quality audio content for kids. You can find more great podcasts at kidslisten.org or download the app. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is made and recorded by Dirt Road Theatre in Northfield, Vermont. Fadpack is written and performed by me, Marin Langdon Spillane, and written and created by Dominic Gracelin and Oliver Spillane. The music you heard was composed by the amazing Nathan Lee. You can see more of his work at nathanlee.net. Thank you for listening. <laughs>